3: The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to our new show, not football related. We're going to talk about different topics affecting people in day-to-day life um, every single month. Brought to you by us, a lot of The Square Ball. Me and Michael here from The Square Ball. Ollie's here as well from Andy's Man Club. Um, Andy's Man Club's slogan is, it's okay to talk, hence the name of the show. Tell us about AMC.
1: We are a men's suicide prevention charity who run peer-to-peer sport groups up and down the UK. We've got currently just short of 120 groups. Um, With about 2,600 guys a week attending those sessions, just a safe place to come and talk about anything that might be bothering you, anything you want to get off your chest in a secure and non-judgmental environment.
3: Yeah, it's a bit like end end the stigma around mental health and talking, isn't it? And when you say peer-to-peer support groups, these are groups are blocks Just sit down and chat. If you want to go along, you don't have to say anything. It might just be that you want to be in the room to experience what it sounds like, what it feels like, but there's no pressure to give any information about yourself or your circumstances.
1: That's absolutely correct. Everything is... As informal as we could possibly make it, we're trying to remove all that red tape. There's nobody there with a clipboard. There's nobody there that's a trained professional. It is just bringing guys together to have those conversations.
3: You can find your nearest group by heading to andysmanclub.co.uk. You meet Mondays, 7 o'clock every week, apart from bank holidays, a couple of hours, places across the country, groups everywhere, over 120, you said at the minute, that's the number, yeah?
1: That's correct, yeah. Just come on in, have a brew, have a chat, and uh, see how you get on.
3: So, across these shows, we're doing one a month, um, talking about different things that have come up. We've done Christmas, we've done money in the last couple of months. It being February, we thought we'd talk about the uh, the month of love, Valentine's Day, and all that. Why are you laughing, Michael? I'm, I'm not laughing. It's it's true. Well, it's it's true, and it's not. It's it's loaded nonsense, isn't it? Really? <laughs> On your, Valentine's Day, your lucky wife. So, yeah, we're just gonna have a chat about issues that commonly come up in relationships. Some of the stuff that you hear at the groups, um, the Andy's Man Club groups. Uh, Ollie, but we might as well start with Valentine's Day itself, then. And it is just—it's just a little hook on which to hang this thing, isn't it? Uh, did you did, did you get her a card, your lucky wife? This is going to sound bad now. We have an agreement that we didn't do cards, but is that not one of those agreements where you agree to not do anything but you still do it? No,
2: because that's not an agreement. <laughs> you need to—you need to make sure that you're not being tricked. That's the thing. Uh, but no, I was—I was not tricked.
3: How long have you been married now? Ten years. <sighs> is it that long?
2: I think so impressive my kids are nine so there must be they, yeah, they fact, didn't they didn't arrive
3: till after we were married so yeah, it must be 10 years yeah we're, we're 10 years in in um in october so about nine and a half now but she got a card but then that's because i'm better than you did, <laughs> did you get a card back i did oh okay fine. but we've we got to that point now where it's it's humorous cards you know like kind yeah. of either taking the piss out of yourself or you know that kind of thing i mean, there's always something isn't there? there's always a an anniversary or a birthday
2: or a mother's day or there's always there's always something to get a card for <laughs> it
1: some hallmark occasion exactly yeah. Uh, what about you? Did you do the cards this time? I did after several reminders. So I was actually on holiday last week, so I had to be reminded before we went to, to pack a card, to make sure the cards were in the case. Well, that's forward planning. That's yeah. scary, isn't it? Yeah, she's organised.
3: Uh, did she choose the card for herself, or did you actually get one? You? No, I, I got that pleasure. What a gentleman you are! Yeah, relationships. So we thought we'd talk about this because it's, I guess, it's something that's kind of at the bedrock of so many of the things that that might come up at Andy's Man Club because you spend so much of your time with somebody. If you live with somebody, if you're in a in a relationship, you see the best and the worst of that person, don't you? There's a, there's a lot of tolerance goes into it. I think that for me, that's the the big takeaway of relationships as you're in them longer and longer and longer and as you grow up. But it's not like it is in the movies. How, how do you see relationships now then
1: at the age that you're at? Compromise, ultimately. You know, there are two individual people who are living together and sharing their life and for both of those people to be happy, there has to be give and take. There really does.
2: Yeah, I think so. And I think as you as I've got Older, it's not necessarily being as entwined with someone as you are when you're like seventeen, and you've basically got no else to do in your life. So you just you just spend your whole time like fawning over your girlfriend. It's like oh, I can't believe it. I've got a girlfriend. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, won the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think this would ever happen. Oh my god! I must do everything so they don't leave me. But yeah, as uh, as, as we were saying, married ten years, you kind
3: of uh, you get used to it, don't you? <laughs> no, you do. You absolutely do, and that longevity it's not it's not as easily achieved particularly when you when you frame it against that idealistic kind of portrayal of relationships particularly in like hollywood movies occasionally on tv and stuff like that it's just, it's
1: just not like that in real life is it no no it's really not you know it's hard work it is it's, it's graft so yeah it's that, that day-to-day right especially if you're living somebody um living with somebody they getting up in the morning it can be one of the most hard parts of the day you know you're Want to stay in bed in your own little cocoon of dreamland and you've got to wake up and face the family and all the kids and everything else. And you're sort of dreaming about those years gone by when, when you were just living in a flat by yourself and <laughs> missing that solitude. But.
3: but I mean, the loss the loss of that independence is um, it's a really interesting thing, isn't it? And there is a transition that takes place when you're in, first of all, you're in a long-term relationship from those... Uh, I love you. No, you hang up first, you know, those those early moments. The Brendan Aronson phase. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is a non-football podcast, remember? We're not doing football in this one. True, but yeah, we've uh, we've created yeah. a, little, a little a little fantasy, fantasy
2: in, in <laughs> our own head of him and his girlfriend being so deeply in love.
3: Yeah. Young, beautiful, unscarred <laughs> by life. I love you and all that. But yeah, you do. And then, and then when kids come along as well, you go into a different phase as well where I think, I, I struggle with this a little bit. I'll hold my hands up and say, it took me a few years after having the kids to go from that point of, you know, when you're in an early stage of a relationship, it's lots of fun and then you sort of cohabit in and it's still just the two of you in your own little world and then kids come along and suddenly you need to keep this creature alive. (laughs) That's priority number one, isn't it? And then you realise as they grow and their demands become greater that they move to the forefront of your existence and you're not so important anymore. You're not number one. For me as well, because I had twins,
2: when the kids arrived, we started leading completely separate lives more or less because I was, obviously, did my two weeks potentially back at work and because you didn't get any sleep during the night within about six after sort of six months it calmed down and we started to you know you could get them down for like five or six hours at a time and it was it was kind of all right but in the early days if we both tried to be awake and and sleeping at normal times you were just constantly awake was the essentially the pattern so i it worked that I'd come home from work my wife would go to bed i'd then do the sort of late feed nappy change put them to put them down about one in the morning and from that point she took over so like she'd have a good block of sleep early I'd have yeah. a good block of sleep late but essentially there's a bit in the middle where you go, it's you now. <laughs> this yeah. The elbow is your, in the ribs. This is this is your bit. I've just I've I've done the other bit, but you know, you just don't see each other for quite a long time. Yeah, so
3: we, a... we did similar because I was still DJing in the clubs at that point, which which actually worked quite well when the kids were younger. It's when they started going to school and you needed to start getting up on the morning, they all went up, all went tits up. But when they were just like infants and, and toddlers and stuff, it wasn't too bad. So I'd come in from work at like, you know, two in the morning or whatever, and then I'd do that, that middle of the night feed. And then go to bed, and then I got a good sleep. Uh, my wife got a good sleep as well in the run up to that, so that worked out all right. But um, in the intervening period, though, you
2: just don't really see each other. No, and I mean I'm I'm quite lucky as well in that we've got grandparents on both sides who are very supportive and have been happy to have them for a, a night, like overnight and stuff, from relatively early on. So but I know some I've got you know I've got mates who've three years in having kids, and they're like said we've never had a we've never had a night out because we've got <laughs> we've got the kids and they don't to look after them. And you think bloody hell.
3: Must be really tough. I mean, you've got a, a right old brood, haven't you? So um, under your roof. Um, so have you have you coped with that?
1: Well, bear in mind
3: we were talking just before we came on air to talk about this. That you were saying I've barely slept this week. <laughs>
1: yeah, there's absolutely a reason why I've got no hair left whatsoever, and it is those those four little cherubs. But yeah, it's interesting you touched on that, Michael. The the whole babysitting thing becomes a lot more different difficult when when you've got four of them. And I feel guilty mean all four children off on anybody. So it's starting like different babysitters out for different groups of children is a a bit of a nightmare but it does mean that we've got very little time together and that's fine you know we live together we have an hour on the couch in the evening once everybody else has gone to bed but it's it's, yeah it's a struggle sort of trying to fit that in with everything else whether it's work whether it's you know me going out whether it's her going out just trying to find a nice little bit of time for us together I think it, it is difficult but it's really important as well it's really important I think this last week, we've been really lucky. We went on holiday with, with some of her family, so there were nine of us in total. You took babysitters with you, that's what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Pre-prepared with babysitters, and it did mean that we got to have a little bit of time just by ourselves with that, that pressure being uh, alleviated. I remember last time we went on holiday when it, it was just me and Rebecca and the kids, I came back needing another holiday um, <laughs> because it was just so stressful constantly. didn't get a chance to switch off at all. Uh, my youngest was two at the time and that's always fun on the plane isn't it yeah she just needs constant attention she's three now so there's loads of difference there Um, (laughs)
3: but it's about three when they can start to operate an iPad like properly
1: yeah so have that (laughs) yeah there's no internet on the plane though she likes YouTube so ah that old chestnut Did, did you find
3: as well that did you like go out for a meal when you were on holiday when the kids are all being looked after by the family that are along with you and you just sit there and end up talking about the kids (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i'm oh, oh, wondering what they're doing yeah. it, i hope they're all right i hope they're not being naughty And it's like just, just switch off five minutes the, the, the other tensions you have when, particularly when they're little is you, you you can end up essentially in a
2: constant competition as to who's busiest and who's more tired yeah, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. well i've been at work i've done this yeah but god I've d-. essentially you end up in a period where it feels like neither of you have any time to yourself yeah and so you can end up both a bit like frustrated with each other which is unjust
3: because it's the kids' fault. You should blame the kids. So yeah. take on, and, you and absolutely take, <laughs> it out <on> no. <laughs> don't take it out on them. No, don't take out on them. It's but, just
2: the reality of it though, isn't well, it? This isn't the... it,
3: yeah, it, does, it feeds into an interesting idea about like your energy levels and your capacity. And, and one of the things that I've taken from reading all sorts of stuff and listening to podcasts and stuff is the idea that you know, you've only got a certain amount of capacity within any, any given day and it feels like as you get older and your responsibilities grow greater that your energy levels and your capacity levels kind of drop. Like, I don't know about you, but I can't sit down for more than five minutes at home now without falling asleep. Like, in Dad's chair. Just I'll just rest my eyes for five minutes. I fell asleep in the kitchen making tea last night. I don't even have to sit down. <laughs> so different things will, will drain your energy levels in different ways. Be that your partner, your kids, your job or whatever it might be. And when you're trying to juggle all three, it's hard work. Everything comes at once as well. Typically, I know
2: people have kids at all ages, but... Typically you're in a you're starting kids at the point at which you've just bought a house, just got married, you're kind of in the thick of your career and trying to progress that somewhat. So everything everything is there at once. It'd be nice to have kids once you're retired when I mean, you've got no <laughs> else to do, you know, if you can when you can actually spend more time with them. But the, the reality of it is is that it's kind of all there at once, isn't it? You're not you're generally in a financial position where you're you're somewhat, you know, stretched because you've just bought a house and stuff. You've got then kids to pay for, and then you're trying to you're trying to have a, a normal relationship and life
3: around that as well it's um there's not the time or the money to necessarily do it and you end up uh, sacrificing things don't you too because if you only have a certain amount of time and a certain amount of energy things have to give Uh, and and it's often the things that are kind of your own things aren't they like you know i I like to go off and, and have a swim or whatever sometimes just to be on my own go sit in the steam room at the gym that's my little thing that's my one thing that i have that's mine but often that's the thing that kind of falls by the wayside when other stuff needs doing um, but I quite like having my own little bit of time. My own little corner of things. I think that's important. Do you agree to, to have your own little, little, just a little bit of you that's separate from everything else?
2: I yeah. managed to make a square ball into a job to ensure I, saw <laughs> I had football. I've got to do it now. It's my job. It's <laughs> no option.
1: Yeah, I think it, it it really helps to keep that little bit of sense of self, doesn't it? Because otherwise you can just be this, this thing that does nothing but work and, and care for other people. You know, I, I work extremely long I was quite often away from home several days of the week if I'm staying away, I, I tend to try and find a, a really cheap hotel that's got a, a crappy sauna in it or something like that, just so I can have that 10, 15 minutes to myself and, and keep on top of that. But you're right, it is the things that we love the most that we end up sacrificing. You know, I can't remember the the last time I actually went out with my mates on a night out, in probably once or twice in the last 12 months. Uh, we used to play poker on a monthly basis. Again, we've all grown up and had kids and I can't remember the last time we actually played poker. But it's those those little things and when when I'm away uh, or when I'm working a lot, I then feel that the time I am at home, I have to spend with the missus, with the kids. You know, they, they, I know full well they grew up far too quickly. My oldest is 13 now, and it seems like a blink of an eye that he was where my youngest is now. So you really do have to cherish those those times and those opportunities. And I just sort of look to the future a little bit, and I've been doing this for a long time now. Um, just look to the future, thing. oh, you know, I'll go traveling when I'm in my 60s, as it stands at the moment. But when, you know, when we had uh, my first. Uh, my oldest son when he was born I was quite young I was 21 when he was born and I thought oh yeah we'll go go travelling I'll still be in my 40s it'll be fine and I've just carried on having kids since <laughs> <Yeah>. then
3: <laughs> it's, it's interesting talking about you know we spoke about money in, in January and the fact that I'd, I managed to rack up quite a lot of debt and it was from those years in the 20s and perhaps early 30s before we, we had the kids that we did a lot of the the sort of daft holidays and there was this one stupid year when we did like three holidays in a year and ended up in a debt management plan which I'm still you know sort of paying off now but on the flip side of this, I don't regret having gone and done that because I realised that other people wouldn't necessarily get those opportunities. I've nothing to show for it now, and it's been a complete like 180 in terms of what life is like having the kids and then before that. But I'm glad I got those experiences under my belt, so it does sort of mitigate some of the uh, you know the the self loathing that you can develop when you when you owe a lot of money to uh, to creditors and all that kind of thing. But interesting what you say there about you know sacrificing other things and that can it can breed resentment, can't it, in a relationship?
1: Absolutely, yeah. You've got to be really attuned to to the needs and necessities of of that home life balance. It is a fine balancing act. To, uh, you know, an eight hundred man couldn't juggle it as well as, as, as some people can. But if you're not not careful, and you do end up just giving so much of your time to other people, whether it is work, whether it is home, and you're not making that time for yourself, ultimately you start to ask questions of what am I? What am I doing? Where Where do I belong? Who am I? What What part of this is actually me? And it can be a really difficult situation to get yourself both into and out of as well. Uh, once you're in that sort of negative cycle, to try and then pick up a hobby or pick up something that you like doing or find something to spend find some time to actually spend doing something that you enjoy, it can be really difficult. I spent five years commuting to Newcastle
3: to do a job, which I really wanted. It was a job on the radio. I absolutely loved the job. It nearly broke me in the end. I completely burned out by the end. But it came at such a cost to my home life, and I realised that I've been trying to make up for it since. But there are sort of feelings of guilt around that, about missing out on seeing the kids so much when I was back and forth to Newcastle every day because I was on the drive time show. I was leaving at lunchtime, so the kids were at school. And then I was getting back at nine o'clock, you know, chucking a microwave meal in the in the microwave at nine o'clock when you didn't really want to eat. But then still staying up until like one o'clock in the morning just because that's my evening, I've got a bit of time. But then getting up with the kids in the, you know, in the morning for school, seeing them for an hour, off you go. Um, and I basically spent sort of four or five years essentially living on my own Albeit in a house with a family as well. I've gotten some bad habits over the
2: years with staying up late. Yeah. Particularly when the kids were younger, because now they kind of get themselves up and they dress themselves and get themselves cereal and what have you. So I'm kind of not really needed for the morning routine anymore. But when they were, even when they were like three or four and they still need to do everything for them, I was still going to bed stupidly late, but then waking up stupidly early. I was going to bed late because I thought oh, I just need some time for myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was the only bit. It was the only bit available. Was basically it was if I eat into some sleep. Yeah, exactly. But it don't right, do yeah. any good. No, no. And, no. And it means as well, like you just you're by yourself in
3: that period as well. Yeah, which, um, which is good and bad, I suppose. Um, yeah, I mean loneliness can be felt in a relationship, and you can still be lonely in a crowded room. It's probably worth mentioning that because I dare say that's something that comes up when you you got you got the talking groups as well, and people will come to Andy's Man Club to try and mitigate loneliness. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because it it's a peer-to-peer support group. It's just blokes talking in a room. And
1: actually, that could be your thing if you need a little bit of something away from home. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we were in that, that cycle, that we were, especially the one we were just talking about, um, it can be a very lonely place when you don't have that time for yourself, when you don't have time to go and and do things that you enjoy doing, when you f- feel like you are simply living for other people. But it's difficult to, to sort of explain that sometimes it, without upsetting those people that you are caring for or caring about you know it's it's hard to say i don't want to spend quite as much time with you you know and them not be offended by that but yeah it is something that comes up in the groups and we do have a lot of the guys that come to the groups just as a place to get away from it for a little bit come down and and have a chat with some other other guys because it might be that they've you know recently had kids and they're sick of speaking to nobody but two and three year olds or um, it might be that they spend their entire life working and, and just need a, somewhere to, to unplug from that a little bit. But you know, guys come down for ultimately for, for all different sorts of reasons. But one of the one of the big things that we do see is you know isolation within that relationship or the other end of it, where they've they've come out of the back end of a relationship and they they need somewhere to go and talk about that. One of the I'd say one of the most prevalent reasons why people come to Andy's Man Club at the moment or what, in the time that I've been involved with it has been through access to children on the on the back of a, a broken relationship and, and struggling with not seeing the kids every day. You know, that, that's something that I've got personal experience with as well. When I split up with my, my oldest mum when he was sort of four, four or five. Um, that's really difficult. That's a really difficult thing to do, isn't it? To, yeah. To go from day-to-day access to essentially none and having to figure out a new plan. I think waking up and him not being there in the morning every day was, was possibly the worst feeling I've ever felt in my life. And... It took a long time for me to be able to organize that in my head, to be able to put something in place that meant that I didn't just feel shit every day because he we went not there. So just leaving that relationship on its own and having to find somewhere to live by myself and get used to living on my own for it again, took a long time, it took probably sort of 12 to 18 months just to be comfortable in that flat by myself. Um, and eventually what I decided was that in the time that I didn't have my son, I was going to make things better for the next time that I had him. Um, so during the week, when, when he was with his mum, I spent that time sort of decorating the flats, organising his bedroom, getting him things that he'd enjoy, bettering myself so that I could be a better person. So that when we did have that time together, it was better than the previous time. And I, I quickly, well, not quickly, I eventually learned that I'd traded for quality. I was no longer, you know, I'd, I wasn't seeing him every day, but when I did have him, it wasn't in this hostile environment that we were living in before. There was a lot of tension um, in, in the the house before their relationship ended. So when I was seeing him every day, there wasn't that quality of, of, of time there. You know, we didn't have a great environment to be in. And it was only once I'd left that situation that we really started to develop our relationship between each other as well. You know, it, it was a difficult time for him. It was, it was four or five. And I'll always remember one day picking him up. At the, I met his mom at the train station and he just had an absolute meltdown on the train platform. And it, it was because... Well, I sort of asked him, you know, why, why what's, what's, what's brought all this on sort of thing? And he just quite simply cried out, I don't want to have to choose between you. And it broke my heart. I was like, you're not. You don't have to choose between us. You know, we, we can both be here for you. And the train dra- driver actually saw what was going on. And for some unknown reason, he had a bag of sweets in the, the cabin <laughs> of his train. He said, he, he, you know, helped us get on the train and, and gave him some sweets and helped calm him down. But it, it's something that I'll never forget that stays with you that yeah yeah it really does and any time he gets upset now with that that's what i remember i remember that scared little boy and i've spent a lot of time and a lot of effort trying to mitigate that i'm um, trying to make sure that my home is his home as well as his home on the other end you know making sure he's, he's got his own space his own, own stuff he has it you know his own clothes at my house and and i just want it to be somewhere i've always wanted it to be somewhere that it could just feel like his his as well um as well as his his other house um, and I mean if you ask him he'd probably now say that he's, he's quite fortunate the fact that he's got two places that he can go to um, he's got two lot sets of stuff he's got both uh, an Xbox and the PlayStation he's got one at mine and, and one at his mum's I mean, so, and a better environment that they're both it's better to have two good environments isn't yeah. it or two better
3: environments than the thing that you had before and what you're saying there I find interesting as well about almost like it, it's provided a sense of focus about that time about it being a better time a quality time rather than just being there all the time. Because it's, it's easy to be around someone, and the same goes for relationships, not just for the kids. If you're around someone 24-7, to not sort of be switched on to, to those quality times, it's easy just to drift, isn't it, in any sort of...
1: Yeah, just, um, you, just being around someone is enough, you can almost think, yeah, can't you? Yeah, yeah, You almost take it for granted, don't you, a little bit. If, if something's there every day, and it's only when it's removed from from that day-to-day that you start to appreciate it a little bit more, or, you know, want, want after it a little bit more, so that, that was my main focus was not just better in the the home and the environment, but better in myself as well, because I wanted to make sure that we enjoyed each other's company. And if I was sat there in the the, the dark place I was in at the time, it was never going to be uh, an ideal environment to be to be having a, a child in and, and being the best dad that I could have been. So it was actually around that time when I just after I'd moved into that flat that I first went to Andy's Man Club, because I knew that I needed to become a better version of myself. Not for me, but for my son, ultimately, to make sure that I could be a provider still, even at a distance, and, and give him everything that he needed as a as a young lad. To tie into the relationship side of it as well, I guess when you're... I don't know whose choice it was exactly to end
2: that, that relationship. It sounds like you were just essentially not very happy in it, but you're knowing you're ending it, and as part of that, it does fundamentally change the your relationship with your son. It's, it's huge because collateral because damage, because you, isn't it? Exactly. You, you've, I guess for a while, you're probably balancing, like, well, do I put up with this unhappiness because... There's other unhappiness over the hill sort of thing if I if I make a decision to leave here, and I, I, that's a thing that I probably I think a lot of people find themselves in that position.
1: Absolutely, I was um, it, it was drawn out. It was it was a really drawn out breakup, shall we say? For that exact reason, I didn't want to not see my son every day. I didn't want to not be there in the house with him. And ultimately, I had to weigh up everybody's happiness, and I, I came to the decision that we'd all be happier and we'd all be in a better position eventually if we weren't together. But
3: um, it's, it's hard. It's hard to make that decision to inflict pain on someone, isn't it? Yeah, because I mean, we've we've all been in that situation where you've where you've gone. Do you know what? Fuck all this. I just want to go live in a cabin in the woods. You lot are doing my head in. We, and we've all we've all reached that point at some point. Whether it's you know, whether you're tired, work's been difficult, and you get home and your other half just says something to push your buttons, or and you realise you know your tolerance has, has dropped, and you just think, oh, f- just forget it. I just I just want to go be on my own. And actually, the, the thing that kind of generally pulls you back is thinking. Look at the big picture here. What would you lose by going and living in a cabin in the woods, quite apart from
1: internet access? Yeah, I mean, I bought a a family tent um, probably about two (laughs) years ago so that we could all go camping together. And about six six months later, I ended up buying um, a one-man tent as well (laughs) just so that I could go and live in the woods by myself for a few days. Um, Really valuable, really valuable. Have you used it? Um, Yeah, yes, I have. Bit of respite care for yourself? Yeah, just go get lost in the mountains and, uh, yeah. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
3: I mean, just going back to those early days, we were laughing about it before. Can you think back to a time when you were younger, less wise, maybe, where you've done something stupid in pursuit of a relationship or something's happened in a relationship that you look back on and think, why did I do that? I think only the years between like 16 and about
2: 25. <laughs> and about 35. <laughs> <laughs> just that period, really. Yeah, just that whole... Just that, that whole thing. You, that look whole look back, you look back on certain things, don't you? You go, what an idiot. Yeah. For, for a variety of reasons, but I mean, bear in mind you played up the BB and unromantic thing. I think I'd, I'd kind of swung the opposite way in my younger years and then as time went on I was like just being stupid here this is I'm I'm giving too much kind of thing like I was because I was with a girl my girlfriend from sort of sixth form for five years so like all through uni and stuff and when that ended you sort of think "Ah, it's a waste of time wasn't it (laughs) (laughs) which on reflection it wasn't because it it absolutely wasn't on reflection but when it when it ends you just go stupid wasn't it all the stuff I did to, to try and maintain that and now it's gone I adopted like,
3: you a penguin <gasps> like,
2: uh, so that yeah I guess that give me that thing. penguin and back I, we've talked about my Peruvian adventures before as well yeah, and, um, yeah. that was that was with a girl I met a, a Peruvian woman in a nightclub in Boston and then a f- few months later Is I was that in
3: Boston and Lincolnshire or South Boston South
2: America um, right. uh, Massachusetts Massachusetts so. sorry then a, a few months later I was in South America with her because she was going anyway and I was like oh can I come
3: <laughs> I know <don't>, I don't <laughs> do I love
2: you so uh, yeah <laughs>
3: So I did that. Did you imagine uh, a life together, an exotic transatlantic relationship with a Peruvian wife? I suppose I did, really. Yeah, didn't happen. No,
2: no, nah, no. Nah. It, it, it was, it was clear fairly early on it wasn't going to happen as well. Why? What
3: quite, was it? Was it quite toxic? Quite
2: different, <laughs> right? <laughs> quite. Diff- I think the um the stuff you get in the very early stages of being with someone, you it's quite intoxicating, isn't it? And and the different stuff is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. But you can realize. Relatively early on, but actually it's just a bit of a nightmare, and maybe maybe some of your your differences are not are insurmountable, despite the fact you might really like each other in other ways. I've just got
3: views of you, like a vision of you. Sorry, being in like this whitewash building somewhere in Peru, waking up one morning and going, "What am I doing? I'm basically <laughs> a prisoner." here. It wasn't really the, the
2: whitewash buildings; it was more like because we were we were staying with their family quite yeah. a bit. It was more like when we were staying at some random man's house, and I've stood in the dog's piss, and I'm like. What am I doing? <laughs> I just remember that because we had to sleep in separate rooms too. Because it was. Of course, Catholic, yeah. They, they, we weren't married and all that. So yeah, it's, yeah. it has to be put separate somewhere, like in, in the box room where the dog's pissed in it. <laughs> it's
3: just like, oh. Just how how old were you now. then when, when this happened? 23. Oh, you think you know what like you You got, got the world figured out at 23, don't you? As well, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. But I mean, good experience, I suppose. It builds your resilience and builds your
2: character, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. But uh, I mean, that was one of those that. It, Trapped in a different situation, I suppose, not less serious because there are obviously no kids involved, but a situation of being the other side of the world with someone, and you sort of seeing it through because of that. But right, you, yeah, equally, yeah. back of your head, you're thinking, "I, I, think I it's could go- just get I, a think, plane. I think it's going quite badly wrong. Is that <laughs> If I just go and get a, a flight home, <laughs> but equally, I've put, I've kind of, I'm fully invested in it now, so yep. I'm, I'm going to continue for now and see how it goes. But it ain't going well. It would be the uh, the, the brief version but of w- it.
3: But when you're in your twenties as well, it's harder to have that clarity of thought, isn't it? To, to realize when you're doing something stupid or, or you're doing something wrong. I mean, I, I mean, going back to probably prior to that, there was a girl at my university who I, I gathered had a, a bit of an interest in me and I'd kind of played a bit fast and loose with her. And she, uh, went on a flight. I will not I embarrass you asking. What exactly do you mean by that? <laughs> hadn't done, no, I hadn't, hadn't, <laughs> hadn't done anything, but I'd kind of encouraged her then discouraged her. Oh, okay. Might've got off with a friend. Um, but let's not get into that and just felt horrifically bad for it. And she was—I did geography. She was in the year below me on the course, and there was a field trip that they went on. I think it was just prior to Christmas, and I think I was staying around right up until the end of end of term and beyond the end of term. And they flew back in, and I thought, <laughs> I thought I'm going to go up to the airport and meet her and, and say sorry and make amends to her. And I got up there in uh, arrivals, just you know, when you you know when you see the films, people holding signs. Mm. There was no sign, thankfully. And uh, she, <laughs> she walked back out through passport control, you know, through the doors. Holding hands with her ex boyfriend, and I was there to meet her. She's like, What are you doing here? Um. Oh, you didn't. I'd, I'd have just killed up in a ball at that point. Oh, no. I wanted wanted fully hedgehogged you... it. <laughs> just get out of the way. <laughs> I'm just going to go now. Oh, fancy. There was no, there was no excuse for it because I'd driven out to, to Newcastle Airport to go specifically pick her up. And she just walked out with her ex boyfriend. Did you she... give him a lift as well?
2: <laughs> just to complete the humiliation. No, no, I just, I took the, the... I'll drop him off at his house. Oh, you, you, you're getting out here, <laughs> too, are you? Brilliant. Took, took,
3: took the 20 minute journey back into town on my own and died every single mile of that journey. I was like, no, 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 no. Oh, that's, that's what being young's
2: about, with doing, <laughs> doing stuff stupid like, stuff. Doing stupid stuff like that, where you just, <laughs> years later, you go, What oh, were you For Christ's
1: sake. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what an absolute fool. You had a moment where you thought, What was I thinking? A few. I think that <laughs> one that springs to mind is is um, actually getting into a relationship with somebody that the first night I met them was uh, in the back of my friend's car in a, a car park, and we had, we had some adventures in the back of the car with never with had my, you down for a dogger with my <laughs> friend sat in the front, um, and yeah, for some reason I thought it was a wise idea to pursue an actual relationship with this uh, this individual. Didn't work out well.
3: No, no.
2: See, I, I had a, a few of those when I was younger. When I, I basically didn't have you it, you were dogger too. <laughs> I was also into ducking, but I basically didn't have <laughs> it in Me to have a one night stand, so I would end up having like a short relationship with, yeah. with someone. Because be even though you're thinking,
3: ah, nah, it's funny. I was a serial monogamist, I think, as well, because I was, yeah. I, I was the same. Like um, girlfriend from sixth form up through to the yeah, first year at uh, the end of the first year of university. Sorry, and then suddenly was cast out into the world at like nineteen and single. But it's all I kind of, I'd enjoyed being in a relationship. So I think I felt obliged to kind of go and try and pursue relationships mm-hmm. as much as I could because I thought that's what you had to do. I think I always felt like I needed to be in one as well because I thought oh, I might not get another
2: offer. <laughs> this could be it. <laughs> this could be it. Which is daft because I know when, it, when you, particularly when you leave a long relationship, I think that was the nice thing when I, my girlfriend I was with for five years obviously felt gutted about it on and off for years because you do, don't you? Sort of when you look back on stuff. But essentially, when I started feeling better was when I went out and I was like, oh, it's fine, other people are still. Oh, yeah. Other people seem willing to tolerate me. <laughs> maybe this is maybe it's going to work out all right. Prepared to tolerate me, but you know, you the bedrock that, of your marriage, Michael. But, no, but you have that. No, pre-marriage, I'm talking. But no, you know no, it's the
3: bedrock of your marriage now. Just, oh, now it is. Grim
2: endurance, of course. <laughs> I think on her part more than mine. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, that that first bit where you get out of a long relationship, you're like, I fucked here, just single. Yeah, so, this is me now, singer. I was like, you know, 22, thinking I'm. This is me done. Yeah, I'm just. I might as well. uh Just get my little my little one bed grief pad sorted and (laughs) settle down for the rest of my life.
3: (laughs) I mean that that is that's funny because it kind of mirrors what you were saying, Oli, There about taking time to get used to living on your own and the adjustment you have to make, particularly when when kids are involved. That um, I don't know. You have to be in the right headspace to be single and be fine with it because there's so much sort of social pressure on having relationships,
1: particularly if all your friends are in them. Absolutely. Um, and from. From that relationship I was talking about before, um, it was the first time after I'd finished that relationship that I was not pursuing any sort of um, romantic ideal, shall we say. I was not necessarily comfortable on my own, but I didn't want to be with anybody either. I knew that I needed to focus on on me for a little bit. I'd, I've probably gone from relationship to relationship, or fling to fling, almost back to back before that, leading up to that. And it was that sort of period of, growth if you like just being by myself that, that led me to a position where uh, I understood what I actually wanted from a relationship uh, more particularly what I didn't want from a relationship um, and it was only through those those mistakes I mean not all of the mistakes some of them were but you know, learning experiences le- learning experiences yeah they, they were all mistakes but it was only that, what through... sort
3: of a car was it by the way
1: <laughs> it was a Vauxhall Vectra <laughs> oh, one of the old ones
3: quite roomy then
1: yeah it, well, oh yeah. good it was big I am pleased what an image but yeah, it was only through those learning experiences that I, I learned what I was actually looking for in a relationship. And you know, I've, I've been with well, my missus now for, coming up to seven years. Uh, we're engaged. We, you know, we've got kids together, and I'm I'm happy now. And I don't think I would have found that relationship if I hadn't spent that time reflecting on on previous relationships and where yeah. they might have failed and and what might have gone wrong. I mean, there was a lot of sleepless sleepless nights during that period whilst I was, you know, two o'clock in the morning, just sat there. Calling myself an absolute idiot and regretting a lot of decisions that I'd made, but during that period of re- reflection, I really learned a lot about myself and, and what it was that I was actually looking for. I think the, it's interesting when you move on from relationship to relationship that you do get a sense of what
2: went wrong in it, and maybe you think, "Well, I'm not. That's not going to happen again." Like I, my, the girlfriend I was saying about from six form. I think because of the age you're at, we were so one person more or less at that point. Yeah, that I, I sort of I didn't do enough of my own stuff. And if she wanted, if she said, "Oh, do you want to do this?" I would, be, I would just go yes straight away. I wouldn't say, "Oh, actually, I've kind of, I was open to do this on that day, or I've arranged to do this." So I would just like go but with. You, what, but you're so
3: fearful of losing it. Exactly, aren't you? I would go thing. with whatever yeah, yeah. she
2: wanted. Whereas yeah. I think, I guess partly it's just growing up, but you get a bit older and you think, well, just because I'm now you're now my girlfriend, it doesn't mean I have to see you like seven nights a week. I yeah. can, we can do, and even if we live together, we can still do different things on some nights, and it's fine. But it's it's almost getting setting those boundaries I suppose at the start of a relationship that you sometimes I think they're harder to redraw once they're already in place whereas yeah. when you when you were going into a new thing you can I just, I guess you just you set expectations at the beginning don't you of it where you just think no I, I do have my own stuff and I'm going to I'm going to do this and yeah
3: and it's, but it's only through life experience that you're able to look back on it and, and see that kind of from start to finish isn't it because that sort of stuff it can spill over to, into jealousy and con, con, and control can't it that's, mm. that's a really interesting thing I think um, it's interesting for me because I've not particularly experienced it. If somebody's experiencing it, it's really fucking unpleasant. Yeah, I know
2: from not my own relationship, but like friends and stuff who are in have been in controlling relationships, or in some points are fairly controlling themselves, and it, it just creates a horrible, horrible atmosphere. But that essentially is, it tends to be drawn out from people wanting, expecting different things from their partner than than themselves. Like they they will think, well, I can do this, but you should you should really be. You know, doing X, Y, and Z for me, even though I don't do any of that stuff for yeah. you. Yeah,
3: and brought, brought about by people's own fears and insecurities. But like you tend to take these things out on your nearest and dearest, don't mm-hmm. you? And when you're in, like
1: immature in life, it's it manifests itself in things like that. It does. I think it's um it's interesting that you mentioned there about about those boundaries and setting them out early. So I was just thinking, I'm in a situation at the moment where I can't go to bed early. I'm not I'm not allowed to go to bed early because of that that hour that I mentioned earlier, where me and Rebecca we sat on the couch and we watched telly. If I say that I'm going to bed before we've had that time together, she gets upset. What's wrong? Yeah, she gets upset. Oh, I don't want to spend time with her and it's because it's what we've always done. Mm. Um, I've just had a bit of a, a light bulb moment there. <laughs> but but that um, comes down to... Get commu- some of
2: the glasses with the eyes on.
1: <laughs> but that does come down to communication, doesn't it? And Which
3: is, I guess, at the bedrock of any successful relationship. And, you know, I'm in no way, shape or form in a position to give out lectures on any of that because we all fall short of it at some time or another, don't you? Because sometimes it's easy just to shut up and Speak think... for yourself. I'll just... No, you think, you think, oh, I'll just, I'll, I'll internalise it, so fucking what, whatever, you know, like, and that's often the way that people deal with things. Mm. But ultimately, if you don't communicate, it's going it, to... Those things that kind of breed the resentment and chip away at you a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You've got to be both an open book and on the same page, are not you? If you like, you've got to be able to express... Your intentions and your needs and your desires, as well as be willing to interpret other people's as well and, and enca- encapsulate those in your own little story, if you like. Mm. Have you dealt with feelings of guilt at any point, or how do you reflect on your own experiences of guilt?
3: Because we've all, at some point in the past, probably broken up with somebody, and you must have been on the receiving end of it at some point. You know, shit, it feels. I, I've you have you ever? Because I know I have dealt um, with feelings of guilt around doing that to someone else because it's taken me a long time to deal with that and I'll, I'll speak about why in, in a second but I'm just interested to
1: see how you, you view that yeah so when I was probably about 16 in my first proper relationship if you like um, you know we were both in love infatuated maybe at 16 um, you are aren't you yeah yeah absolutely infatuated and we, you know like Michael said we spent every single day together unfortunately I went out one night and ended up kissing another girl which absolutely ruined the relationship Obviously, and I I felt guilty about that for a very, very, very long time. You know, I can reflect on it and, and say, oh, well, I was only 16, you know. But ultimately, I made a decision that had a massive impact on on both of our lives. Things could have been a lot different, Um, and I know that it... Bit of
3: a sliding doors moment then, I guess.
1: Yeah, it absolutely broke her heart, and it broke mine, as well as a result of the end of the relationship. But I, you know, I, I went through a pretty messy few years after that, Um, And I was reflecting, thinking, well, if I hadn't made that decision, maybe these other things wouldn't have happened. And, you know, looking back on it now, you know, shes I think she's now married to to the person she met not long after that. So she was obviously quite happy and okay with it. But I've spent a lot of time reflecting on that and feeling guilty for the way that I try. But again, I think that's a bit of a learning curve, um, a bit of a life lesson. You know, I know that I wouldn't do that to somebody ever again as a result of not only how it made them feel, but how it made me feel in, in the you know, quite a few years afterwards.
3: Yeah. Talking about life lessons, that was one of the
1: big, the big
3: revelations for me. I um, mean, I spoke in the previous couple of shows about having like talking therapies. I went and sought out therapy um, around the time of the first big lockdown. Things had gone shit. It was off the back of losing my job when I was driving back and forth to Newcastle, burnt out, lonely, all that sort of stuff. Just head was not in a good place, but speaking to the therapist and kind of dealt with dealing with the, like the anxiety and the depression that I was dealing with, I managed to sort of get to the bottom of that quite quickly and it left us a couple of spare sessions. And she started talking about like traits she'd picked up in my personality from speaking to me. And this was stuff I've, I was not really aware of or switched on to. Maybe I knew it was there deep down, but um, perfectionist traits in my personality. And she said, perfectionism is not about doing things perfectly. It's about, I think it's how she described it, was, it's relentlessly high expectations. So even if you meet a particular expectation, the boundary is always moving up. But it doesn't always affect every area of your life for me in particular it was work and relationships and i can see those two areas in particular um, have been affected by perfectionism and it's yeah ever higher standards and because i'd hurt people in the past even to this day it still kind of chips away at me a little bit because of the perfectionist traits in my personality like i always think i should have done better i shouldn't have done that to somebody else's feelings and it's carried with me across the years as that one and it's only through more life experience and getting a bit older and spe- and, and having it pointed out Means that I'm now aware of it, and that's that is one good thing about therapy is that you can become aware of things that you maybe even you sort of knew on a kind of subconscious level, but to have it explained to you by a trained professional who says you've probably actually been setting too high standards for yourself. It's okay to be flawed. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fail. Marrying all that up with with my experience, and now some years later, going yeah, I, okay, I can deal a little bit better with the guilt. But it's something that that did stay with me and has done. And I'm you know I'm in my forties now, and you would think you know when you're when you're younger in your in your relationships, you think oh, I'm practically dead by the time I'm forty. I'll have it all sussed out, granddad, but you don't. You don't. You're figuring it all out as you go.
2: Relationships when you're younger, as well. I mean, we've talked about more serious things about like families breaking down and stuff, but when you are 16, people will tell you at the time, it's not the end of the world. It'll be fine. You'll get over it. But you and, feel like it, And is. you do. But if in that moment, Christ, it's hard, isn't it? Like yeah. it, it does feel like like the worst. It might, well, it, it may, like it be, it may like... be the worst thing that has ever happened to you. Yeah, it feels like
3: your world has collapsed, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So
2: like, if there are, there'll hopefully be younger lads listening to this, it's shit. It's, yeah. it's pretty bad like however a relationship breaks down when you you might be your first girlfriend you probably weren't going to marry a truth be told yeah. but you probably thought you were because <laughs> because yeah. that's what you do you're
3: yeah. like... and you're because, like and because there's nothing so pure and idealistic as your first relationship because you've got nothing else to compare it to mm. so it's, it's always going to feel like the best or the perfect thing at that time and
1: you know li- life is full of, of mistakes and, and rocks in the road isn't it it is and you're right. It's about those, um, those, un it's the innocence of it, I guess, in it, those, um, unadulterated feelings towards somebody that, that pure, um, it's all consuming infatuation isn't it? with, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely all consuming. Yeah. It just takes over everything because you've never felt anything like that before in your life and you don't know what's coming after it. Essentially, yeah. you don't know about that heartbreak and, and the turmoil that, that is on the back of the relationship, um, once it breaks down. So it is innocent infatuation and without the association of of the negative attributes that we've all felt um, you know so then when you go into the next relationship you are aware that it might end in heartbreak you might hold a little bit back but in that first one you don't you just give it everything don't you
3: yeah because it is everything it's interesting that as well because my first proper serious relationship started at exactly the time that my parents divorced so uh, on the one hand you've got this failing failed relationship there that's that is your entire world as well as your home life. So to see that disintegrate and then you go into that, it magnifies almost the importance of of that relationship. And um, it, it perhaps makes it feel, yeah, even bigger in scale and magnitude than than you thought. And that again, that's something that I've looked back on as I've got older and been able to realise, and through speaking to a therapist as well, um, maybe that, that situation informed my view of that relationship and my relationships going forward. And maybe that's why I was kind of a serial monogamist. It's funny how things
2: stick in your head as well, because I can't remember what song it was yesterday, but a song came on in the office and you went...
3: Or was it when we were playing the 80s Power Ballads? And he
2: said, it reminds me of my parents' divorce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, those little... No, it, was, it
3: was take that back for good. It was the same time it came out, yeah. There yeah, you go. Yeah. But yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe take that had a big influence on you as well. But it also reminds me of that first relationship. It was, it's not necessarily just the divorce. It's yeah. that, that time in, in my life, that summer, which actually was, was a brilliant summer, all things considered, because we were between years in sixth form, and I think my, my lower sixth year in particular when we were in the first year of A-Level, so it didn't feel like it mattered that much, was ace because we are playing playing for the school football team, seeing my mates loads. We were able to go to the pub at that point, even though we were mostly 17. And it was brilliant. So, so it was kind of all the fun, but none of the responsibility. And yet set against this, the, the drama of, of parents
1: um, splitting up. Absolutely. Living the dream. What? I remember those years. At 17, they Fantastic. Yeah.
3: They were. And it's funny, isn't it, looking back on, on those years, and it's very easy to sit, you know, in your house when you're having that hour to yourself on a night time and think, it didn't used to be like this. I used to have loads of fun. I wish I knew now what I know then, but it doesn't work like that, does it? You can't take your lived experience and apply it to when you were, teen, you up know, until they invent time travel, but you can't, can you? And you wouldn't want to experience those those younger years with the knowledge of an older person. It'd be shit. You'd know too much. You forget the bad bits as well, where you'd sit
2: around fretting going, oh, God, she's gone out tonight. She's yeah. probably like, Getting off with someone—those, those, those, <laughs> those like fears that you have when you, when you're younger—that like because it is so all-consuming, you're like, this cannot be allowed to go wrong. If you know what I mean, that yeah. that feeling. Whereas there's not—it doesn't feel like you got the security of it, does it, at that stage? So, whereas when you get older you think, ah, it's fine.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I do anyway. <laughs> Which I guess brings us back, doesn't it, to the to the start and the idea of being missold relationships by TVs and um uh, and movies. That, that life, life is not a ninety-minute movie by any stretch of the imagination. I think that's where
2: it, the sixteen-year-old bit kicks in, isn't it? Because that's that's more your frame of reference, maybe at that point, rather than actual relationships you've had. So in the early days, you're like, it can be just like this, yeah.
1: <laughs> but then, uh, yeah, not so much. Not so much. Yeah, I, I quite often feel like I'm being compared to the Prince Charming that, that my other half watched about in the movies when uh, when she was a kid, and where I stand up to compare with him, and where I most definitely don't. And she, it, it's um, it's a compromise, if you like. She's constantly compromising her ideologies against the the real artifact, which is unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, an entertaining uh, cycle watching it un- unveil and unfold. I think the other complicating
2: factor at the moment, as well, is that the stuff people put on social media. So you have you see the best bit of everyone else's relationships, don't you? So yeah, like, yeah. it can be like, oh well, you know, husband's done this, his wife's done this. What have you done for me, sort of thing? And that that can be a comparing yourself to others. In pretty much everything is bad in my experience. Like, and if and being jealous of other people's things because they might put a nice thing. Other oh, been they've been taking on this holiday. They've done this. They might have a shit time on that holiday. Yeah. You have no, you have absolutely no idea, do you? You get a picture or two pictures and a little in a in a scene that's been choreographed for social media. Yeah, and, and, and it show, It and actually shows
3: you nothing. It's the new that, that's that's the sort of democratic version of the Hollywood movie, isn't it? That little snapshot on Instagram. Um, I read a really interesting book about this. Uh, which it's about when you're on holiday that you expect it to be like the brochure. And I guess there's a real parallel here with relationships. You expect it to be like the brochure, but actually the differences between you and the brochure, or what you see on the website these days Mm -hmm. for a more modern example, is that you're there and you take with you all your shit and your partner takes with them all their shit. So when you were sat there in Lanzarote last week, you still end up talking about the kids or worrying about the bills or, you know, are the kids sleeping? Are the grandparents all right? All that sort of stuff because it it, it ain't the brochure because you're there.
1: Yeah, the big, bald idiot ruining the, uh, the <laughs> ideal situation.
3: Or a small, bald idiot in my case. <laughs> or just an idiot. Just an idiot in my case. The, I'm sure the bald will follow. And absolutely, it's good to talk about this stuff. And I think we, we realise we're all in the same boat. So hanging in there sometimes, just just all you can do, isn't it? When, you, when you're feeling tired or stressed or emotional. And that's good enough as well. No well, one's finding it easy. No. I, I don't think it's supposed to be easy, is it? It'd be nice if
2: it was though, wasn't it? But, um, but no, never going to be. There's too much going on
3: it's not easy but we'll get through it and just a reminder what Ollie was saying there as well Andy's Man Club if you want a bit of company perfect for it Monday nights couple of hours what across the country two hours seven till nine apart from bank holidays UK to find your local club where you will just find other blokes there if you do want a bit of male company and I, I really enjoy doing this because it just gives us a chance to it's, it's not like sitting in the pub minus the drinks just got the, the glass of lemonade on the table <laughs> there's uh, no free biscuits here
1: though and there is on a Monday night
3: sold to that man there yeah <laughs> Please do have a look at um, Andy's Man Club online. Um, if you I say, if you just want to get out, have a little bit of company, you want to unload a little bit, then please do. And hope you're getting something out of these. And we'll be back next month and uh, we'll talk about something else next month, uh, March. Easter eggs? No, that? <laughs> <laughs> is that April this year? I can't remember.
2: It moves around, doesn't it? But yeah, we will we'll find chat. something. Yeah,
3: we'll definitely find something. Um, and we'll be back for you uh, for next month. Thanks for joining us on this one. We'll see you soon. The Square Ball Podcast.